Welcome to Crosstalks, conversations that drive innovation. In this podcast, we featured well-known payments expert Hugo Cuevas-Moore. This series is based on his 2023 book, Sending Money, Forex, Remittances, Immigration, and the Fintech Revolution, which dives into the evolution of the cross-border financial services industry. Crosstalks is published by Crosstech, a conference and consultancy service company based in Miami, Florida. Each episode is 24 to 28 minutes long. Thank you for listening. Hi. In this episode four, I will explain the fundamentals of remittances and money transfers. Building up from personal transfers, P2P, person to person, to transfers involving people and businesses, P2B and B2P, person to business and business to person, that were developed afterwards. And B2B, business to business, the booming frontier, as I mentioned in the first episode. What is to explain, you may ask yourself. As a company, you receive money in one country from a person and make arrangements for that money to be paid in another country by another company or institution. It sounds easy, but a very complex system has been built to achieve just that, efficiently, fast, secure, and as cheap as possible. People who have taken my courses or seminars often think sending money is very simple. So what I do is explain step by step all the complexities of the system, the friction that exists at every step, the regulatory requirements on one side of the process or the other side, and the structural barriers that prevent it from working more freely in a more agile way, even at a lower cost than today. Even so, competition in the money transfer market is fierce. A money transfer originates from an individual or a business that initiates the transaction through a service provider. Let's look first at personal transfers, P2P or remittances, the system that has been in place for three or four decades now, becoming more digitized as we move along. Payments involving business have been evolving recently, moving from the channels that banks built for several decades through SWIFT and wire transfers. The origination of a P2P transfer can take place at an agency, that means a business authorized by a licensed entity, or it can take place digitally through an online or mobile application. At an agency, the sender usually carries cash, although he or she can also use a debit or prepaid card to initiate the transfer. With a digital application, the sender needs to use or upload funds from an account, wallet, card, or bank to initiate the transfer in this app. This transfer carries the required data, sender and recipient names, value to be paid, Another information to make sure the payment at the destination will be done correctly and effectively. The phone number, maybe an address, etc. The data from the agency connected online with the licensed entity is very quickly transmitted to the entity at destination that executes the payment. The data can take several paths using aggregator or intermediaries, but it is done in seconds. The complexity of this industry does not reside in sending the information, 
by the use of technology now happens almost instantly. The sender wants an instant payment and the beneficiary awaits the payment eagerly. So information has to travel quickly and the payment has to be done also as quickly as possible. However, the movement of these funds from origin to destination takes its own slow path. The value of the transaction travels through different channels in a complicated process that can take many routes where speed, access to funds, liquidity, exchange rates, settlement constraints and timings makes the flow of funds a multifaceted affair. The entity where the transaction originates or ends payment side can be one, a bank or a banking financial or depository institution able to do it directly, either depositing into an account or in a cashier in a branch or through intermediaries, agents. Two, an MTO, money transfer operator. This is a licensed non-bank and BFI that provides this service. It can be traditional or a digital fintech. This can be done through a branch, an agently, or digitally by card, depositing a wallet in an account, an app, etc. Three, an MMO, a mobile money operator. And this is a NBFI that provides mobile payment services, usually a cellular phone company capable of doing the transfer via a digital wallet or any other method connected with an MTO. Four, a cryptocurrency exchange, a company that sells cryptocurrencies and provides a way, directly or indirectly, to send or receive funds via crypto or fiat to cryptocurrency and vice versa. And five, an informal value transfer operator. The acronym used is IVTO, such as Hawala. I will explain later what an IVTO is and how it operates. Not all these entities are present in the originating country or in the destination country for many reasons, mostly regulatory, but also for market realities. For example, banks in most developed countries where most P2P transfers originate have left the origination of the transactions to license companies that cater to these sending customers. In most countries, there are licenses that allow institutions to send cross-border transfers. In the U.S., it's called a money transmitter license given by the different states. And in Europe, it's a payment institution or electronic money institution license. In developing countries, banks have been more active in P2P transfers as payers because they can deposit their incoming transfers into the beneficiary's bank account. Let's go deeper into origination. P2P transfers now originate mostly through networks of agents in the US, Europe, and other countries, authorized by licensed companies to offer transfer services to the public. These retail agents collect the information from the sender, names, telephone, addresses, IDs, etc. Whatever data is needed to make the payment effective and comply with regulations 
or licensed company policies. The agent inputs this data given by the customer into the licensed company system, normally sitting in the cloud. So the information is processed immediately when the agent hits the send button. And the data then travels from the agent to the licensed entity to the paying entity somewhere in the world. The sender is charged a flat or percentage fee of the total amount sent. As an example, $15 flat fee for $200 sent, or the fee can be 5% of the total sent. So for $200, it will be a total of $10. Some companies might charge a basic flat fee and also a percentage fee. Let's say $1 fee and 3%. The fees are normally charged only at origination and internally split between the service providers, from the agent collecting funds all the way to the payment provider. Most cross-border transactions generate a foreign exchange revenue that can be shared between the parties. The exchange revenue of each transaction is generated between the currency handed at origin and the currency delivered at destination. The currency given at the origin, let's say dollars or euros, is sold in the marketplace to another institution, to an importer, to a traveler, to an investor for a higher value in local currency than the currency delivered to the remittance recipient, generating a profit in that transaction. The value of the transaction, means the amount sent to the beneficiary plus the fees, must be transferred or settled by the agent to the licensed company. If there is cash involved, cash collection is a costly and slow process, and it takes 24 hours or more for that cash to reach the licensed entity's coffers. The licensed entity must then send or settle the funds with the paying entity, directly or through financial intermediaries, banks, aggregators, a whole set of ways that exist to settle those funds. The management of these settlements, the payment, the financial rails, is where the complexities abound. At the beginning of the industry, communication technology pushed the transmission of data from days to hours to seconds. But the payment rails and settlement systems have not improved the speed significantly. The licensed entity has choices on how to settle the funds with the paying entity on the other side of the world. Since the beginning of electronic fund transfers, EFTs, the way to settle with the correspondent at the destination has been using bank-wide transfer. That way, the settlement is done in bulk for all the transactions sent for payment. If the volume of transaction is high, maybe there's one wire transfer a day, normally the next day, that will pay in bulk all the transactions from the previous day. I'm not going to get into the cash flow situation involving the two sides, sending and receiving, only to say that historically, the payment institution, the remittance payer, gave a credit line to the sending institution to satisfy the receiving client's urgency for payments to be done as fast as possible. 
But as volumes of remittances grew and payment institutions were not willing to increase these credit lines, prepayment of the funds became the norm. As prepaying and volumes grew, the amount of capital to maintain the operation also grew. The need for capital has also been the reason why small licensed entities have had to sell or close down. Capital needs go hand in hand with currency trading, as most payments are received from the sender in one currency, US dollar, for example, but the payments are done in the local currency where the transfer is made to. The sender wants to know at what rate of exchange the payment will be made. That means the amount in local currency that the beneficiary will receive. And that rate offered by the provider of the service must be very competitive. The fluctuation of currencies must be watched constantly to remain competitive and to control the gains and losses that can occur in foreign exchange. Regulators such as the CFPB in the United States, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, CFPB, is the watchdog that supervises the transparency of fees, exchange rates, disclaimer, receipts, customer complaints, fraud, etc. All types of settlement agreements exist between institutions sending and receiving from traditional banking rails to alternative systems that are being developed. Cryptocurrencies can be used for settlement, buying them on one end and selling them at the other end. They can also use a foreign exchange company that uses its own exchange partners to receive and to pay. Each participating entity looks for the easiest, least expensive, and most effective way to use any channel or a combination of them in every quarter in the world it offers its services. And on this interlocking puzzle, intermediaries, facilitators, aggregators, they bring to the industry technology solutions for communication and settlement. What technology is now doing is automating the financial management and control and the regulatory compliance to speed up all the internal processes. The greater need for customer data due to regulations has resulted from the controls put in place for better monitoring the legal use of the money transfer services and the increased need for customer identification. Know Your Customer KYC is becoming more and more automated. Customer protection and fraud detection are also playing a critical role that must be monitored. Technology has given us the ability to send information from one side to the world to the other side with increasing security and speed, to monitor and manage data, Yet we still rely on slow compensation systems due to banks' systems, to the outdated swiftware transfers, which is seeking to become more competitive. So other rails are coming up. Visa, MasterCard, UnionPay, etc. are also providing money transfer services with settlement solutions through their own payment rails. Regulation may prohibit certain channels or certain entities, restrict certain operations, or force transfers to be channeled in one way or another, either for control, monitoring, audit, 
inspection, compliance, accountability, etc. New ways to transfer money internationally are coming online and fintechs are teaching us that new models can continue to be invented. Many industry executives feel that the service has been commoditized and that there is not much room for invention. At different panels that I've moderated, there have been diverging views of the degree of commoditization of money transfer services. The term refers to the process in which goods or services become relatively indistinguishable from the same offerings presented by rival companies. Competing products are so similar to one another that they are only distinguished by brand, packaging, or the price tag. So a remittance sender goes to send money using an agent. Maybe the cost is the same, the exchange rate offered is very similar, and the payment in the destination country is the same. In digital money transfer, most apps might give the user a very similar service, similar price, etc. But in my view, the money transfer service is far from being commoditized. As rivals present different features to attract money transfer clients, some of these features are eventually commoditized. But innovation in this industry is very dynamic and will continually presenting features, channels, and pricing incentives for quite some time. Besides, technology tools are adding features that make the operational and compliance channels more automated with better management tools that need less human interactions. Besides, technology tools are adding features that make the operation and compliance of these features more automated. Super apps present to the customers many services in only one platform. An argument in every event I am invited to share my thoughts and opinions is that family remittances are a human right. And therefore, every government has the responsibility to allow, facilitate, support, and regulate them so that this service is offered competitively, democratically, without favoritisms that manipulate rates, processes, and institutions offering these services. Consequently, when politicians, governments, or regulators seek to limit or restrict remittances, impose taxes, or any other coercive measures, I feel they do not understand that a migrant sending money to his or her mother will use any resource or service available to do so, whether it is black, gray or white, formal or informal, regulated or not, sanctioned or not. This has always been the case and will continue to be so. Do we want remittances to flow without any barriers? Or do we want to build dams and make remittances look for alternative means to keep flowing? This question has been the basis of most of the history of the global money transfer business, and it is the backdrop of an industry that took many years to be understood and accepted. The ignorance and the misconceptions that haunted this sector led to persecution and discrimination, and that it impacted the early services that were built by the migrants themselves. These misconceptions have been slowly disappearing but still remain in the minds of some regulators and politicians. These misconceptions also exist in banks, some of them acting as de facto regulators when they close accounts of companies offering cross-border payments. 
Many countries also try to control the entry of remittances so they arrive only through official channels. This is not new and will continue to happen. Many of these controls of these channels benefit lobbying groups, be it banks over mobile money companies, banks over NBFIs such as fintechs, cards, or digital payments over cash payment networks, etc. The mixing of remittances and politics have been, perhaps, one of the industry's greatest burdens. Throughout this podcast, I will show you examples. The issue of money laundering and terrorism financing control policies will be important components of this story. They have, in fact, affected the ethnic remittance providers in developed countries. In a large majority of cases, ethnic remittance providers could not continue and disappeared. But the same is now happening to fintechs. In the US, the lack of regulatory transparency makes everyone in a payment rail worried about what one agency might do or say, even retroactively. From the money transfer distribution networks and systems that were developed for remittances, new services began to appear. One of the first one was top-ups the ability to buy airtime for the mobile phones of family members overseas. This was the first P2B, person-to-business service, paying a company overseas for a service using money transfer. Before P2B existed, migrants had to send funds to a family member to go and make that payment, whereas it was for paying their mobile phone, an invoice, a mortgage, tuition, etc. For international bill payment to be offered efficiently, domestic payments have had to be developed, digitizing the process in a way that domestic and international rails could be linked to facilitate, to speed, and to make sure payments were done correctly, not only to the business entity, but to the account where these funds should be correctly credited. Cross-border P2B payments have grown substantially. P2P payments were soon developed, helping businesses pay cross-border salaries, commissions, incentives to individuals, with increase of payments needs to be made internationally by multi-level marketing companies, the system needed to be made efficient and fast. As companies such as Airbnb and others grew internationally, their cross-border payments to individuals renting their properties increased and B2B payments evolve rapidly. Right now, the growth is coming from business payments, B2B, as fintechs compete with banks for this market that is much larger than personal transfers. Serving businesses is a great opportunity for fintechs, but it creates many challenges in offering these services, larger transactions, sophisticated treasury management, liquidity, Know your customer developments, just to name a few. In the next episode, episode 5, I will discuss informal money transfers and the many ways money is transferred cross-border using alternative channels. These informal channels are very large, at least as large as formal channels in many countries and corridors. That way, you can get a full panorama of the money transfer market. Even if in the Sending Money podcast, I will be discussing mostly 
the formal channels. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cross Talks, Conversations that Drive Innovation. The book Send in Money is available on Amazon. For comments, questions, and feedback, use our social media channels, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. See you soon.